Hi there. Thanks for joining us on Let's Talk Taste with Sherry, where we're saving the earth one flavor at a time by gathering community to share wisdom around the natural connections between our innate sense of taste and flavors that are grown in healthy, regenerative soils. Welcome. Hey there, Sherry Hess with The Flavor Remedy. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Let's Talk Taste with Sherry, saving the earth one flavor at a time. And you can't talk about saving the earth without talking about the soils of our earth. If you've been following along and listening to my episodes, you know by now that the correlation that I'm trying to make is between our innate sense of taste and the God-given gift to detect nutrition through our senses as it connects to healthy foods grown in nutritious soils. So there's lots and lots of people out there doing lots and lots of things to help uh, rectify the situation, to remedy what has happened in uh, corporate farming and mass-produced genetically modified foods and all these things that are kind of what, what I refer to as pseudo-solutions, things that are addressing one thing but causing another issue, right? So when it comes to saving soils and um, making choices in our own individual homes, we have some options, right? But they're not always necessarily, um, maybe they're not affordable, maybe they're not feasible from an energy standpoint of how much, or from a time standpoint. Um, and I'm talking about things like, you know, purchasing organic can, can be one thing. There's so many things. That's the thing is we get so stuck on thinking one, there's one solution out there and that's not true. We, we have all of these yet to be discovered solutions. Anyway, my point in all this, what I'm getting to is that I today want to talk to you about steps that you can take to save the soil in your own home and to help me walk this journey is my very favorite director and interviewer, Ron Ben-Joseph. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Sherry. I'm so happy to be back. Thank you for having me back. Um, I love that you talk about soil uh, and agriculture as it relates to flavor. Like I, I know, like I just think it's so profound because we have to look at where the flavor, where the foods that have the flavor are coming from, right? So you've, you've taught me so much about that. Um, things that I just, you know, totally took for granted. Um, but I do have to say, so I moved, I moved to Colorado in 2015 from Chicago. Uh, and I'd heard about composting in Chicago, but it was just that thing that people in Boulder do. And I moved to Boulder. <laughs> so we get to Boulder and there's, you know, the three bins, the you know, recycling, the trash, and then the, the composting. And so implicitly, I was like hearkening back to being a kid and like not doing all my homework, you know, because I only did the recycle. I only understood the recycling and I maybe I hopefully no one shoots me for this, but I only did the recycling and the trash. I never understood how to pick out what is meant for the compost. Can you just help me start? Let's just start there. I'm simple, okay? My master's is from a state college. I do not understand composting on a base foundational level. Okay, well tell me what confuses you about it first. Like it's which part, like, so it's the scraps, right? They are, there are scraps of food, but it's not all food. Is that what's confusing? Yeah, like it's not all food. So what is it? Is it like chewed up, I mean like, if, if I was in Boulder and I had a pet goat that chewed up a can, like, is that it? Like, is it like recycling? <laughs> is it something in the middle? <laughs> um, no. <laughs> to answer that direct question, no. So the easiest way to think about composting, and this is, this is 
another cool thing that I'm learning by being on all these soil conferences is if you were to just think about if you're walking out into the world and you were stepping on grounds that you just could tell was like soft, fertile, rich smells of the earth, right? What if just walking in nature, forget about gardening, forget about what you're putting in your bins. If you're just walking in nature, what would that look like to you? What kind of environment do you think you would be in where there's all this rich soil that you're walking on? Does anything come to mind? Um, like what would it look like? Yeah, like I think like the mountains, I think like hiking, I think like just rich dirt, like where it's comfy, it's like soft and, you know. Yes, exactly. So forest, right? So something like a forest where there's all this rich dirt, you're seeing trees decay, you're seeing leaves fall. No one's tilling that stuff, right? Nobody's doing anything to fertilize or manage the pests or anything. And it's this rich garden, right? We just interviewed Ethan from Burlap and Barrow, right? And he talked about these people that go out and they forage, right? So they're not even planting. They're not planting farms. They're not planting spices. Some of them are, but a lot of them are just foraging what's growing in the forest. And this is where the rich flavors, the rich spices are coming from, from his point of view, right? So if you were to just think about that forest floor and everything that's just naturally falling onto that forest floor, it's vegetative, right? It's leaves, it's it's these decaying trees. Um, it's just what kind of comes from nature in a very organic way. So when you're thinking about your compost and, the, and, and what to put in your compost, it's really all the things that are basically vegetative, right? But what you also, and where people get confused, and I don't know how it works in Boulder, I don't know how if they, I can't imagine that they have you separate browns and greens, right? So when it comes to actually like people that want to create compost in their own backyards, the most basic, basic step to understand is that the quickest way to break down compost to turn your organic matter into a compost or, you know, this clean, rich organic matter that you're um, supplementing your soils with is to have a balance of green and brown. So it's alive and dead. And again, think about the forest floor and everything that's happening there, right? You've got all of this stuff that's falling. You have some green leaves that fall. You have dead trees that fall, like, and that you have the insects that are helping to break it down, right? So it's, it's, it's almost like recreating what's happening on the forest floor is what you're doing with composting. So when you're adding things to that bin, you're adding like plant material, scraps from your salad, you know, vegetables that go bad, um, where it gets a little funky is things like eggshells, right? We're like, well, how is that a plant material? But it's, you know, it's, it, that's a calcium, that's a mineral contribution, right? Um, but the biggest thing to remember about what not to put into your compost pile is fats and meats. So if you're cooking meat or you're using a lot of fats, um, those are the things that you really need to avoid. So almost anything vegetative can go into your compost pile, right? Now, I don't know, again, how, how Boulder is doing it. I know they have an amazingly successful program, but I've never lived in Boulder to know what the requirements are and how they're then taking that, you know, taking that, those scraps and, and turning them into compost. Can you, as a Boulder resident, access the compost? I'm not in Boulder anymore. Uh... Um, but um, why am I even talking to you then? I know, right? Like I'm not real. <laughs> I, when we moved here, 
older and then we moved out. But um, and 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 I feel bad for saying you know like saying that people would be mad and aggressive about it. I think people are very. I don't think people are. I haven't met anyone that's like offensively devout when it comes to composting. But, but it's it's a community that's passionate about it, passionate. which is yeah, you know, which is which is huge, which is really good. But if people that don't understand it can be overwhelmed by that as well. So, but you just described it perfectly. Like I really like how you put that. Where um, like like just separating where it's like vegetative plants, um, not fats, not so. So when you're saying not fats, like are we saying like oil, nuts? No, nuts are vegetative, right? Like legumes are vegetative. Yeah, and 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 I don't have all the specifics. I would say you anything that is high fat content, you would want to limit. But then again, like avocado is fine. I was gonna say avocado. <laughs> right? Yeah. So I would think like plant based. It's animal fats is is I think what they want you to really. And and the reality is in in a highly intense compost situation where it's really heated up and it's really breaking things down, it can actually handle some of those things. But for the most part, you want to really stick to the plant-based things when you're putting them into your compost. And it makes so much sense when you, when you painted the landscape of like a forest, like as an example, where that is naturally, like things are naturally composting. Um, so that really actually was, that was super helpful. Um, then similar to forest like 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 ethan talked about he was talking about getting cumin and in, in like a special desert not desert but like a special field in a different country all these things so when what is the like when when so, like like in a boulder or anywhere that has a good uh program what happens with that compost where do they take that compost and then how does it kind of come back to me uh in return like wh where do i see the results of that composting does that make sense like because in my head, I just throw it off and it disappears. I'm totally ignorant, you know? Well, and that's okay. And and you know what? To be honest with you, I'm not really familiar with how the industrial composting, like when they're collecting it at that level and they're taking it off, um, I probably should go and visit one for myself. I just know, you know, in my house, I've been composting for years and I'm not like... I wouldn't even call myself an expert composter. But this is the beauty of composting is that you don't have to be an expert. I mean... Nature just breaks things down naturally, right? What happens if you choose to compost and you don't take any time whatsoever to really research it, you can end up getting frustrated or deterred by doing it because if all you do is collect all your scraps and throw them into like, I have a barrel bin that just spins. So the idea is that the green and the brown come together and um, they, you know, it's a, it's a life, it's a heat generating thing and it, um, when they're balanced, this heat helps to break things down. There's microorganisms involved as well. And it really turns out to be when you just keep rotating it and giving it air and letting it have oxygen and the heat is kind of occurring naturally, it breaks down into this rich soil amendment. Um, honestly, I, I don't do that to that extent. I compost all the time, which means I'm constantly adding fresh greens to my compost. And what happens when you have fresh greens all the time is it never fully breaks down, right? But I'm okay with that because when gardening season comes around, I just take whatever's in the bin and I put it in the soil and I let it be organic matter and the worms will eat it and it'll get broken down and I'll cover it just with grass mulch in my garden and it still will continue to break down in the soil. So I'm not a perfectionist. So I'm not telling you this is how to do it. <laughs> I'm just telling you that you don't have to be perfect at composting. You don't have to be perfect 
to make a difference, to, to contribute to soils. So everything that you're eating, right? So if you have your, you know, the stems of your strawberries, the peels of your oranges, the, you know, the, the ends of the celery, the, the, all the parts of a, of a salad that you don't use or something that goes bad in your crisper, it's, it's a big deal to not throw that away. It's a big deal. And people don't think about it as a big deal because we're just so used to throwing stuff away. But to take those scraps and allow them to kind of be put back into the earth as opposed to contributing to the landfills where they're not going to break down properly and they're certainly not going to be feeding soils because they're mixed with the plastics and everything else in our landfills, right? Like it's almost like this, it's a huge sacrifice by taking food scraps and putting them directly into your garbage, your garbage instead of letting it feed the earth. You, we don't think about it. We don't think twice about it. But that one little move can contribute hugely to improving soils, even if you're not the one who's growing it, right? So the fact that Boulder has a community composting thing is rare. It's huge. It's awesome. Um, and the way that comes back to you to answer your question is that compost then goes back into soils where people are growing food, right? So that compost is the nutrients of food broken back down, ready to be regenerated back into new soils. That compost amends soil. Here in Colorado, we have really high clay soils. So it helps to improve the drainage and it also improves the nutrients, right? So by you composting and contributing to this community compost, and allowing whoever's accessing that, which is local farms in Boulder, maybe local gardeners, maybe if you were a gardener in, in Boulder, you could have access to that compost, I don't know. Bringing that back and putting that back into your soil then allows you to grow healthier, stronger, more nutrient dense and more flavorful food. So it's contributing to all the things that we're frustrated about, right? We're frustrated about food doesn't taste good anymore. Spinach doesn't taste like spinach anymore even meat, chicken doesn't taste like chicken anymore. Like, so the chickens are eating the plants and the bugs and like, it just is this full cycle of flavor. So if you're passionate about flavor, equaling nutrients in your food, composting is a simple thing to do, right? And if you don't want to take it all on yourself, there's organizations that also will collect compost or you bring it to them. Um, so I actually just learned about that this this past week, I watched a, uh, a soil conference with the community that um, created the Need to Grow film. And um, he talked about this website called um, makesoil.org. Is that right? Makesoil.org. Yes, makesoil.org. And I just got on there this morning. I don't know a lot about it yet. But the gist of it is that people are creating um, opportunities for us everyday people to, to compost, to offer scraps to improve soils, right? To, to contribute to some kind of a composting situation where, um, you know, every little step matters. Every little step to save our soil is huge in making sure that our food stays flavorful and nutritious. That's great. I mean, that that is so helpful. Everything you said is like really helpful. And I love the idea of not being a perfectionist about it and just starting. And that makes so much sense, like how that one shift could help. 
yeah. Walk me through. You, you've talked before, um, and I love what you had to say about it. Like, talk me through about the on the growing side how it affects flavor. Like how. So I get like, you're like I get how um, like you said the chickens are eating the plants and the bugs. But like, what is the actual? What is the 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 core? thing that happens to flavor as it relates to composting like what does composting do to enhance flavor or make a better quote-unquote better flavor yeah um that's a great question and it has a lot to do with the nutrients in the soil and the availability it's it's like a biodiversity in the soil that helps contribute to the strength and the health and the flavor and the nutrients of a plant so as I mentioned before, you know, I'm, I'm participating in a lot of these soil conferences, these regenerative soil conferences, you know, the everyday consumer really only understands if they understand at all, um, that there's organic and there's conventional. And basically that really, you know, in the broadest, simplest of terms can, can simply look like less expensive and expensive, right? So we are kind of in a situation where we assume that the more expensive is better. And people, you know, don't get me wrong, there's a lot that is better about organic, but certified organically grown food is not necessarily more flavorful. It is a step in the right direction because it's less toxic, but it's not necessarily coming from the richest, most fertile, most amazing soils. So on these regenerative soil conferences, people are like doing all kinds of different agriculture, like eco agriculture and quantum agriculture. And they're looking at things from these new ways of understanding what's happening in our soils. And one of the coolest things is there's, um, there's this network of intelligence in soil. So a lot of people are talking about no-till soil. So no-till soil means, and I, my whole life, I mean, my dad was a farmer. We always, you know, dug up our garden, rototilled it every year and, you know, put, put new, you know, in my younger days, we did use just like a straight NPK fertilizer, and now it's compost and organic matter. And um, there's such intelligence in our soils that we're we have we're just kind of literally scratching the surface on what's happening in our soils and the life in our soils. So what compost does is adds organic matter. It adds this life. It adds this this dynamic situation to our land and our soil that creates a biological environment that allows food to grow the way it needs to grow. So it, the compost contributes nutrients, it contributes live, live matter, um, you know, soil. We're all kind of of this mindset that all plants need to grow our chemicals and primarily three chemicals, the ones that are listed on our fertilizer bags but it's so much more than that. There's life involved. There's minerals involved. There's just so much that's happening in the world of regenerative farming that is way beyond what, what we're getting on the grocery stores right now. And it's really exciting to see, but there's a lot of challenges behind it. There's a lot of, um, you know, I mean, farmers, farmers are very much in a position where they are forced to grow things according to the USDA and what, and they're subsidized, right? They're surviving based on subsidies that the government is saying that they should be growing. They put requirements on pesticide use in order for their insurance to be coverage, like covered. Like there's so much that they don't have control of. 
So these, these smart, intelligent, regenerative farmers that are out there doing new things face a lot of challenges in cost, in time, in research, in support, in policies. So it's um, that brings it back to you, the individual, right? Like, well, what can I do? This is one thing you can do. Compost, just simple composting, contributing to composting will help, you know, move this along. I love that. Sherry, this was awesome. This is a great episode. Thank you so much for explaining that to me. And like, I'm going to start like I can do it. I can do it. I can do I'm, it. I can do it. I'm going to make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> and if you really want to, you could put worms in your apartment. That's really fun, too. That is uh, my daughter would love that. She loves worms. <laughs> Tells me about it all the time. I'm serious. She's obsessed with worms. Um, thank you so much, Sherry. <laughs> thank you, Ron. This is good. Good information.